What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. Omron, it has been an absolute hectic few days for your boy here. I had to do tax stuff because it's the month of April, which is really annoying. I'm 20 years old. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. And then also it's April. So I did a new dynasty rankings update. And this is why I am recording right now at 9 p.m. You guys will probably see this at 11 p.m. But I want to get this live out to you guys. We're going to do this one take Drake style. So we're not missing uploads. I really want to stay consistent in the month of April for you guys. So we're going to talk about that new dynasty rankings update that I just finished. I think pretty much this morning I put the finishing touches on it. But this right here, I have the top 250 dynasty rankings, the rookie rankings. And then this right here is my baby, my passion project right here. Because I think a big pitfall of a lot of analysts in the industry is that they just kind of give rankings to you guys and just let you do whatever you want with them. And that's cool. And that's what the top 250 is for and the rookie rankings is for. But I really want some actionable you know, things that are actionable from the rankings. And this is kind of how I'm doing that, where you can see the positional rankings and you have the trade value tier. Each quarterback's ranks, they're changed. So as you guys can see, I swapped Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes because Stephon Diggs got signed long-term and Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. Then the prospect tier, that's from my RS grades. How good were they as a prospect? Archetype, how good are they on their feet? Konami code mobile, and then buy and sell. And that's what this whole video is about. I don't know why I was pointing at them like that. But that's what this whole video is going to be about. My must buy and sell trade targets for Dynasty Fantasy Football. For every single player in my top 300 Dynasty players, I have them designated as neutral, which is just pretty much like hold. Hard buy, which means go out there, send offers for. Soft buy, you don't have to, but if you're making a trade, it's a good player to put in there. Then you have soft sell and hard sell. Today, we're going to talk about three hard sells, two hard buys. And if you want access to the rankings we're going to be referencing today, that's going to be on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. Now, with that being said, make sure you get on below, subscribe and leave a like if you enjoyed the video. Let's go. All right. And I'm already prepared for a lot of pushback that we're about to get on the first player on this list. And that is CD Lamb as a hard sell. Now for this video, we're going to be using Adiko's ADP. Adiko is a guy in Bean Counters Discord. He's on Twitter at Adiko underscore FF. I truly believe that he's one of the most underfollowed people in this space. He is really, really good. He is amazing on the Excel sheets. And what he does is he compiles all of sleeper startup drafts and he compiles dynasty ADP from real drafts with real money involved. He verifies it all. I really have no idea how he does it, how he scrapes sleeper for all of their leagues, but it's wild. And I've been getting a ton of shit for using keep trade cut and I get that it's not perfect. So I wanted to kind of use a different lens for this video. So when we talk ADP in this video, it's going to be from a deco and we're going to look at trades from a deco and we'll get into that a little bit later. Now with CD lamb, on my ranks, he is the 402 as the wide receiver 14 in a big jumble of players where you could have him all the way up to like the 306 and I wouldn't bat an eye. But in Adiko's ADP, in these real startups with real money, there have been 20 startups completed in April at this point. He is going at the 206 as the wide receiver three. Again, or not even again, but CeeDee Lamb is a really good player. But for him to be wide receiver three, 206 here, in almost a tier of his own, right? He's at the top, kind of a tier of his own. Then you have AJ Brown, Debo, and then below that, Waddle, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Tyree Kill, T. Higgins. He is getting put in a spot where he is in a tier of his own between, from pretty much a stopgap between Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase 
to that big tier of Waddle to T. Higgins at the back end of the third. And I think it'd be much more fair if he was, I would even be okay with him between Debo and Waddle, or I'd be a little bit more okay than that if you if it was Waddle to T. Higgins somewhere in there. That's where CeeDee C- Lamb belongs in my eyes. And I cannot stress this enough. CeeDee Lamb is really, really good at football. But we aren't just collecting good players regardless of price. Everything we do is at cost. Everything we do is price sensitive. And because of that, CeeDee Lamb to me is wildly overpriced at wide receiver three. I think a lot of his value is pure projection and a lot of just insulation from the market. And insulation is cool because he is everybody's favorite wide receiver. Everybody loves pumping him up and that's good for his trade value. But we're heading into year three. We're kind of putting his feet to the fire at this point. He needs to produce. If he puts up another... Yeah, I think he was wide receiver 14 last year. If he puts up another fringe top 12 season, if he finishes wide receiver 10, 11, 12, I don't think wide receiver three holds. We have a lot of stud wide receivers coming in this class. If DeMonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, any of those guys pop, they could come up. Same thing with Metcalf, T. Higgins. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of players behind him coming up right now that I don't think that he would hold that wide receiver three, unless if he probably returns a top five season. And the... The path that we've taken here is really confusing to me to where we now have CeeDee Lamb as a bona fide wide receiver three in Dynasty. I'm a, Again, if we put him in that same tier as Metcalf and all those guys, fine. That's where he should be. But as of right now, the market is taking a stand that he should be a tier ahead of them. And I don't think so. And I think that it really shows when you look at the 2019 and 2020 wide receiver classes and those wide receivers that are top 10 wide receivers in dynasty so you know justin jefferson i'm not expecting him to be able to compete with justin jefferson but at wide receiver three he should be somewhere between justin jefferson and the aj browns dk metcalfs t higgins and deontay johnson's of the world and i think it's pretty clear that he's not if you look at these stats i have his year one stats and his year two stats the the stuff that we really care about is his pff receiving grade in year one which is one of the best indicators we have as you see justin jefferson at 90 plus everyone that hits 80 plus is also players that are all really really solid studs it's a great indicator we also care about scoring fantasy points and we care about commanding volume getting a big target share and through year one he was fourth in year one pff grade second in year one points per game last in year one target share he didn't he didn't command targets at a high rate in year one we were hoping for that big leap i bought into him in redraft i thought he was going to come out here and be dominant then in year two He was last in points per game with 14.6 and last in target share with 20%. Through two years, you compare him to T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson. It's a little bit tough to make the comparison with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. I'm not comparing them about present day A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, but A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf last season. I would say both of them had better profiles than CeeDee Lamb does right now. So it's really, really hard to sit here and say why CeeDee Lamb would be wide receiver two or wide receiver three at this point same with Deontay Johnson had these stats last year and wasn't even like a top 20 dynasty wide receiver so it's really it's really tough I think at the very least the wide receivers not named Justin Jefferson on this list should be in the same tier as CeeDee so let's be clear if you're having him at your wide receiver three as the 206 it's a lot of projecting he like he is firmly the lowest in target share at 20%. He is not this alpha wide receiver that eats no matter what. And I know that the market 
has him so high because Amari Cooper gone, is gone and everybody's very excited about that. And it's time for CeeDee Lamb to explode, which I don't think is even crazy. I, I, I understand what his upside case is. There is a world out there where CeeDee Lamb, without an Amari Cooper, his routes go up. He has that year three explosion, kind of like a Debo Samuel last year. 28% target share, top five wide receiver season. That is within the range of outcomes, but I believe that wide receiver three in Dynasty, that's a lot more of a medium, a median outcome for CeeDee Lamb at that price. And I think it's a little bit dangerous to have that as the expectation when Amari Cooper last year, he only had an 18.8% target share. He wasn't commanding a ton. Gallup was gone for nine games and CeeDee Lamb only put up a 20% target share in that situation where there wasn't a ton of competition already. I, I mean, you can list Dalton Schultz, but again, this is Dalton Schultz, not a great, you know, not a, a stud tight end by any means. And he was out there commanding targets in an offense with CeeDee Lamb. Now, if you want to cling on to the upside case, which I'll always highlight, and I and I admit there is a there is an upside case with CeeDee Lamb, but there's an upside case with T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. Again, everybody in that tier has really nice upside cases. With AJ Brown's case, what happens if the Tennessee Titans decide to crank up the passing volume? They have Robert Woods. Let's say maybe they get a, a Jamison Williams in the draft and they say, okay, we're gonna run the ball, play action, throw it, and have a modern type offense. And AJ Brown commands a 28, 29% target share, boom, top five season. So all of them have that same path as CD Lamb. But with CD Lamb, you can cling on to the 81% route participation and the 24.7% target rate, which is his targets on a per route basis. And this tells me that he's commanding targets, but it's because he didn't make it on the field. Now, it's a little bit of a ding that he was only getting an 80% route participation if he's the stud wide receiver everybody thinks he is. But this shows us that, let's say, I mean, next year we have to assume that he's going to have 90% plus, 95% plus route participation. He should be in that 23, 24% target share range, and that will help him that much more. But I think it would be, I think it's still a little bit naive. Even if you have him at wide receiver three, even having him at that 206, like a tier of his own, I think is wrong. You should have him back with those T. Higgins and Metcalfs in that wide receiver six to 10 range, uh, in my opinion. And I also think that there's a chance where you guys, everybody's celebrating about Amari Cooper leaving. You now have the NFL draft coming up. It seems like Dallas has their sights set on a wide receiver. If they take Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams in the first round, they might not match, match that Amari Cooper 18.8% target share in year one, but they have a lot of upside after that to 20 to 25% plus if they are good wide receivers, if any of them are good wide receivers. So I think that he's about to get even more competition. So he's a little bit fragile here where people are refusing to kind of factor that side of uh, the equation into it. And when we look at CD Lamb in terms of trade value, we're going to look at Adiko. And Adiko has a really cool spreadsheet. I'll put it, I'll put all of his links down below. Um, and this is really cool. It shows real trades made in sleeper dynasty leagues in the month of april and this is what we're going to use for every one of these players i'll show you guys real trades that have happened in the month of april i'm going to highlight some of my favorite ones and this one is really really cool to look at because these are real leagues with money on the line and i think it is a little bit of a better resource than keep trade cut and when we look at the the first one we have CD Lamb and kind of two mid assets and Clyde Edwards Alaire and Allen Robinson, you can go out there and get Javante Williams and DJ Moore, which is a wild, wild upgrade. I think anything, if you can do CD Lamb into DJ Moore plus, I think that that is a winning move at all times. Then you have CD Lamb 
and a 23 third for Michael Thomas and a 23 first. And this is so sweet because Michael Thomas is going to produce very similar numbers to CeeDee Lamb in my eyes. I think that Michael Thomas this year is going to produce around probably fringe wide receiver one numbers. And if Lamb doesn't explode, you are getting similar production. Lamb will probably fall down a little bit in the dynasty rankings. And then in 2023, you can get a guy like JSN, Addison, Boutte, Quentin Johnson, all of those guys who are about as good prospects as CeeDee Lamb were. And they they have the, the potential to be that next CeeDee Lamb that the community loves and wants to pump up. So you can match that trade value while also replicating that production in Michael Thomas. And then the CeeDee Lamb for 101 and a plus on top is fun. Right now, I have Brees Hall ahead of CeeDee Lamb in my dynasty ranking. So if you can get CD Lamb, if you can get the 101 for CeeDee Lamb and then get something on top of that, I think that that's a really fun move as well. Then we have the boy, Mac Jones. And this one, I know a lot of people really like Mac Jones, and I don't even really have a problem with his ranking of QB 18 on a Deco ADP. I have him at QB 20, but I have him at my 705 in Dynasty Superflex tight end premium leagues. ADP has him at 503. And this really just comes down to what your overall strategy and ideas are when it comes to Dynasty. And the way I play, I think it's not the best use of your roster value to overpay for your QB2. Especially with a guy like Mac Jones, who's a statue, because it's really tough for him to have this ceiling of being a difference maker in fantasy football. Last year, he was easily the best rookie quarterback. He looked really good, won a lot of games, and he only averaged 14 points per game as the QB 25. There was even a game where he played against the Bills and only threw the ball like three times. So there, he, it's a little bit tough to project a, a, a point in time where Mac Jones is this clear difference maker. He does feel like a Joe Flacco pocket quarterback, probably going to be solid his whole career. I do think in the high end range of outcomes you have Matt Ryan Kirk Cousins where he could be a back-end quarterback one finisher with a lot of efficiency I just rather not bet on that that's a lot harder to hit on and the payoff isn't really there and I have a stance on QB2s the same way that I feel about RB2s where because they're so easy to replace especially quarterbacks where we have JJ Zacharyson the late round quarterback strategy where it's pretty easy to get fantasy points from random quarterbacks where I'd probably I'd probably be looking to trade Mac Jones because I don't really want to pay just to know who my quarterback two is. I'd rather go out there and get Mariota, Matt Ryans, Jameis Winston, those kind of guys who are going to replicate pretty similar production at a much cheaper price. And here are some trades from Adiko with Mac Jones. And I think the, the move here is Mac Jones is kind of in this QB dead zone for me. I would rather either tear up to that Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Malik Willis territory like we see in this first trade where it's Mac Jones in a second. You can go get Stafford. I think you'd probably get Jalen Hurts. You could probably get Malik Willis at a similar price as that. I would do that all day long. I also like the tearing down move from Mac Jones to a Ryan Tannehill type. I, I think that this one's a little bit off where the 105 is probably not going to happen. You're probably going to have to do Mac Jones for Tannehill and maybe a late first or an early second, or you could probably do Mac Jones for Matt Ryan in the late-ish first. I think that that would be fun. And I think that last one, Mac Jones for the 105, I'd cash out on Mac Jones for any top five picks so you secure Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks. 
all day long or a 2023 first, I would do that as well. Um, that class is just too juicy to, to pass up on. But yeah, those are prices I'd be looking to cash out on Mac Jones for. Again, it's not that he's a bad player. I think that he's actually going to be a fine quarterback and start many years and probably antagonize my Jets for the next 10 to 15 years. But I think in terms of fantasy, him just being this young asset, early fifth round startup value, I'd be looking to pivot off of that for just cheaper quarterback production. It's kind of just what it comes down to. Next up on our must sell list or our, our last hard sell is Elijah Mitchell. And this is another uh, strategy play. This isn't any, anything crazy where my RB23, he is the market on AD, or Adiko's ADP of RB21. He is going at the 610 on there, but he's at the 901 in my ranks. Again, don't have a big problem with RB21 versus RB23. It's really more him getting pushed up over wide receivers and difference making running backs and quarterbacks and draft picks, all of that stuff. I think that you can really capitalize on Elijah Mitchell for that price. And again, I say he's another strategy play because I think it's dangerous to pay up for your RB2. We talk about this all the time, and I'll probably make a video on it again this offseason, but RB2s are the most easily replaceable asset in all of fantasy football. Every single week, a starter goes down, the guy behind him gets brought up, and he can give you 15 points in that game and match everybody else's Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Elijah Mitchell, whoever you want to call him. I think it's a mistake to have a significant amount of your roster value tied into your quarterback twos and your running back twos. And Elijah Mitchell is even more risky than that because he's an RB2, but he's also this day three pick standout who is eerily similar to a Jordan Howard and a James Robinson. And these are his year, th year two comps in my database where you see it is Jordan Howard, Alfred Morris... James Robinson sticks out to me. The other guys there, are, I think I was going to take them off, but I won't just because they were they weren't great prospects. But I think it is a little bit weird to compare him to guys like Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, and Eddie Lacy, who are top three round draft picks. I think Jordan Howard, Alfred Morris are much closer comps just because of how I'm telling you guys these these NFL GMs are ruthless. They do not care about these day three running backs. They really don't. We saw last year. James Robinson in a lost year for the Jaguars put up a thousand rushing yards looked really really solid that year and they said you know what that was really cool man but we're just going to draft Travis Etienne we we really don't care what we saw out there and then he salvaged a or not gonna I'm not gonna say it was a lost season because who knows James Robinson could have beat out Etienne or whatever but he had almost an RB1 season before the Achilles tear because there was no competition once Etienne had that Liz Frank injury but when we talk about Elijah Mitchell and these range of outcomes and even if you want to include Eddie Lacy and Miles Sanders Antonio Gibson still not that great we have three of them getting top 12 finishes none of them having top five upside and if you don't have top five upside and your floor is as low as Elijah Mitchell I'm just not interested at the 610 he's going and startups around guys like Devonta Smith Elijah Moore DeAndre Hopkins Keenan Allen Mike Evans all of those guys and I think the dangerous part is, is that what we know about GMs and also what we know about Shanahan, where he churns out these running backs, where he has had over the years, he's had what Carlos Hyde, then Raheem Moster, Jeff Wilson in places. I want to say before that, he even had Tevin Coleman for a little bit. We've seen Jamichael Hasty have a couple weeks. We've seen last year, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel playing running back. It's just like he, he will just use whatever. And the minute you slow down, get an injury, we saw Elijah Mitchell get it hurt last year. The minute you slow down, he will just kick you to the curve and next man up. And I didn't even mention Trey Sermon. 
And it really wouldn't shock me at all if he went out there and drafted a running back as early as day two. We see this all the time. Again, James Robinson. We saw it with Tariq, we saw it with Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohn was drafted that next season. Chris Thompson was drafted the season after Alfred Morris's breakout. And I know that those aren't big names uh, like ETN, but Tariq Cohen and Chris Thompson took away so much receiving work from those running backs. They never had pathways to top five running back seasons. As day three running backs, they were just grinders until they didn't work anymore and then they were kicked to the curb. And that's probably the career arc we're looking at with Elijah Mitchell at this point. So I think if you could pivot down to a, you know, somebody in that James Conner tier or even lower than that, if you want to go to like Melvin Gordon and get a plus on top of that, I think that makes sense. I really like this deal here from Adiko where we have Elijah Mitchell in two seconds to go get Saquon Barkley in a third. I think it's a little bit of an overpay for Barkley. I think I would like it better if it was Elijah Mitchell in a second for Saquon in a third, but something like that where it's Elijah Mitchell and a thing for Saquon Barkley in a thing. That makes a lot of sense. Then you also have Elijah Mitchell. I would do Elijah Mitchell straight up for any of Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Hollywood Brown, Mike Evans. I think all of those guys have paths to top 12 wide receiver seasons, which I would be much more interested in. And then I'd also sell Elijah Mitchell for any random 23 first, which I saw quite a bit in those trades. So for all you guys out there that are telling me keep trade cut sucks and these trades aren't going to happen, these are real trades that have happened before. If you can't figure something out between these three, I do not know what to tell you. Also, let me know if you guys enjoy these trade scenarios better from Adiko. If you prefer that or keep trade cut. Then we're moving on to our hard buys. And first up, we have Deontay Johnson, who's just perpetually disrespected. He is the anti-CD Lamb. In Adiko ADP, he is the 411 as the wide receiver 13. In my ranks, he is the 302 as the wide receiver 8. And unlike CD Lamb, he has done nothing but produce and command a boatload of targets through three, three years in the league, and he gets no respect. And after finishing as the wide receiver 22 in points per game in 2020, in year two with Ben Roethlisberger, he goes out there into year three. He puts up 17.2 points per game last season as the wide receiver eight on a massive target share of 28.5% in the same offense that had Chase Claypool, Pratt Fryermuth, I believe Juju Smith-Schuster for five games, Najee Harris, who was just stacking up targets. He was still out there commanding a ton of volume, which is what he's done his entire career. And I think a lot of hes hesitancy around his profile from the dynasty community is that one, he's not sexy. And I got to be honest, I can't help you there. He earns targets and he scores points. He's only 25 years old. In my eyes, he is very gorgeous to me. But the other is quarterback play. And with Ben Roethlisberger gone, people see a lot of ambiguity and they're expecting this huge downgrade, whatever, whatever. The problem is, is that Ben Roethlisberger, since Deontay Johnson has been in the league, has been an absolute garbage can at quarterback. And I know the Steelers fans aren't going to be happy that I said that, but this was last season in EPA plus CPOE composite, which is expected points added and completion percentage over expectation, which is just a really good stat from, I want to say it's arbysdontmatter.com from Ben Baldwin. He used to work, or he might still work at PFF. I'm kind of talking my ass right now, but it's a really good stat to just kind of gauge how good a quarterback is. He was 26th. He was bottom 10 the last two years in this kind of stat. He hasn't been good. Deontay also had in his first year, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. He is almost... DeAndre Hopkins-esque in that he's quarterback proof and has been playing with bad quarterback play his entire career and as much as I love DJ Moore unlike DJ Moore he has gone out here and produced despite bad quarterback play and some of it is is that not to be un unkind to DJ Moore some of it is also that the Steelers passed the ball a ton they've been top five 
in pass attempts per game the last two years and I expect the same even with a new quarterback with Mitch Trubisky it seems like this is just kind of the offense they run or you know whoever they draft either this year if they draft a Sam Howell Malik Willis next year if they want to go get a CJ Stroud a Bryce Young whatever I, I don't think into perpetuity a team as prestigious as the Steelers is just going to have a New York Jets Cleveland Browns type run of just trash quarterbacks and never be competitive that's not the Steelers way or whatever they are going to eventually be good at football and I know that as like a nerd that's kind of a a whack thing to say because it's like a variance whatever the Steelers are always going to be good they're going to figure it out some way or another as long as Mike Tomlin is there so when we talk about Deontay Johnson very simply he scores points at a top 12 rate he commands a ton of targets regardless of his quarterback play I think the market is far too low in Deontay Johnson at this point and here are three trades that I liked when I was looking at Adiko's trade search tool we have Deontay Johnson and the 23 first for Amari Cooper who I think guys in that range of Amari Cooper and Mike Williams if you can go from Amari Cooper slash Mike Williams and another piece maybe not a Kittle but a piece in that Kittle range I'm trying to think of somebody that's in that Kittle range that I don't love maybe like a maybe like a Chubb or a, a Dalvin Cook could be in that range and you go from Amari Cooper slash Mike Williams and a Nick Chubb or a Kamara to Deontay Johnson, and you get a 23 first on top of that. I like that a ton. I like Deontay Johnson for Dobbins here, but I like him for any of those Dobbins, Gibson, Kamara, Cook, any of those guys in that range. Give me the wide receiver there. I'd rather have the younger wide receiver who's still going to give me top 12 production and not eventually fall off a cliff, and we can just replace that running back production later on with guys like Fournette, Zico Elliott, James Conner. I don't see a ton of reason to want to hold a ton of value in those guys unless if you can't get a good deal on them or you are a the, the contender of all contenders I guess then this last one I like this where you go from a Devontae Adams Cooper Cup Tyree Kill to Deontay Johnson with some kind of value transfer in there of whatever you got to do to close that gap and here is downgrading from Devontae Adams to upgrade Josh Jacobs to Saquon Barkley the funny thing is, is that I think in the eyes of the market, it's Devontae over Deontay Johnson. In my rankings, I have Deontay Johnson over Devontae Adams, and I have Saquon Barkley over Josh Jacobs. So I think that's a win-win on that part. If you can do that and make Saquon either Saquon or McCaffrey, or if you want to go from like a Nick Chubb to a McCaffrey in this kind of deal, or a Kamara to a McCaffrey in this kind of deal, I think that'd be really fun. Then we have our last must-buy, hard-buy on this list, and it is the joker Kadarius Tony and he's somebody that has really really warmed up to me I don't have as many shares as I would like to I think I, I had like two or three at one point but I think I traded one or two of them away I still have one share but I need to be sending out trades for Kadarius Tony because it it really dawned on me recently how how much upside there is here and you guys know that I love chasing upside I am going to especially with a ADP of 9.11 wide receiver 43 and he's 804 wide receiver 36 in my ranks and that range I'm down to just swing man he is a pure home run swing and when it comes to Kadarius Tony I don't think that comps really do him justice because I could have pulled up comps in my database the problem is is that he had such a weird year where his total stats don't really 
matter because he was in and out of games and he also had a 48% snap share. So to take his points per game at face value or his target share from face value, it's tough because of the injuries and not playing full snap counts. And then also just a horrendous situation with Daniel Jones gone. And I think they were what they had Mike Glennon at quarterback and I think Jake Fromm in for a little bit. It was really bad. But the intriguing part about Kadarius Tony and just something that I love with all wide receivers, if if you get on the field and you dominate when you're on the field, that's all I care about. And he looked really, really good in the target rate category, which is his targets per route run. He was commanding a target on 28.9% of his routes, seventh in the NFL last year. That's wild. When he was on the field, he was commanding targets, and that's really all we need to see. And if we can get his targets next year, we're going to have now a whole new regime with Brian Dable, who I am a huge believer of. Hot take. I've been thinking about this for a while. Let me know if I'm if I'm if I'm kind of being an idiot here, but I, I think I would send like a 2023 first if I was the Jets to to get Brian Dable. I really do think that he is that good. I really do think that he is the truth. I like what he's going to do with this offense. I think he's going to. Apparently, he was watching Kadarius Tony film and from college and wants to utilize him in that way, which is really, really exciting that a guy like Brian Dable, who had all that success with Josh Allen, is one of those coaches. The biggest thing that I can ask from a coach is just don't force your scheme onto these players. Let your players dictate your scheme and play to their strength. That's such a huge thing. And I think that he's going to do that with Kadarius Tony this year. And if he can get Kadarius Tony, I don't see why on that depth chart he wouldn't have. 80% snap share uh, running most of the routes as long as he is, you know, third on the depth chart and he's not dealing with injury. I don't see why with that kind of target rate, he couldn't get, I think conservatively in the 22 to 23% or better type target share range. I think that's very firmly in his range of outcomes. And the crazy part about that is he commands targets, but he's also super, super efficient take that out but he's super super efficient his yards per out run last year was 2.14 anything over two is pretty insane 2.14 this is from pff uh tweeted by jared smola was second among the wide receivers the rookie wide receivers last year eighth among all rookie wide receivers over the last 10 years 2.14 yards per route run insane on a on a route run basis he is demanding targets and he's producing yards there's really nothing you can ask for and at this late in the game when we're hoping when we're just taking home run swings he is a really really good home run swing he is a guy like as you guys can see at number six Tyree Kill and I'm not comparing Tyree Kill's speed or anything like that to Kadarius Tony but in terms of a ceiling outcome that really unorthodox dynamic beta both of these guys are dynamic betas just guys that when they have the ball in space they're electric Kadarius Tony could be one of those guys who doesn't really fit the mold of a traditional wide receiver and is really, really special in the NFL. He has a lot of signal from that first year that is really special. And he had that one game of 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards. I want to say it was earlier on in the season, maybe like week eight-ish. Or no, it was week five. He did that on 58.7% of the snaps. He played only like half of the game and put up 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards. He is really, really solid. And the crazy part is, is that you can kind of get him right now as a throw-in. I think it really varies from league to league in terms of how people value Kadarius Tony. Some people see him like I see him as a pretty firm wide receiver three in Dynasty with a lot of upside. Other guys see him as just a 
bum prospect who couldn't really do anything last year because they're just looking at points per game and target share. But when you zoom in a little bit, Kadarius Tony looks special, and these deals are pretty crazy. Devin Singletary in a fourth rounder for Kadarius Tony, pretty much a throw in. Marquise Brown and Kadarius Tony for the 107. You give up the 107, you get Marquise Brown, Kadarius Tony. I would already take Marquise Brown over the 107, so that's a huge win. Or no, I don't. Uh, Marquise Brown for the 107 is about even, but Kadarius Tony on top is wild. Then you have Russell Wilson and Kadarius Tony for Tyree Kill. I would do that all day long. I like Russell Wilson in a vacuum more than Tyree Kill. So if you can get, like, if you were making any trade right now, if you want a plus on top, make that plus Kadarius Tony. Now that's going to do it for us today or tonight. I'm going to try and get this video uploaded probably in the next two hours. But if you enjoyed it, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. And also, if you want access to all of the stuff on Patreon, the top 250, my rookie rankings, I also updated the rookie rankings in case you guys want to see those. I put in the positional rankings, like I said, all of these trade designations are on there. I even have cool stuff on the Discord. There is a ton of stuff on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be in the comments. It'll be in the description. So make sure you check it out. As always, I love you guys, and I will see you in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended, subpoena from misdemeanor.